Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 77. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Greta Ray. The singer-songwriter from Melbourne, Victoria, is finally releasing her debut record tomorrow, entitled Begin to Look Around. In today's episode, we're talking with Greta about how you release a record in lockdown, how she crafts her songs, and working with Gang of Youth. Here we go. Our guest today was first introduced to Australian audiences when she won Triple J Unearthed High back in 2016. Since then, she's continued to release brilliant songs and EPs, which has led us to begin to look around her debut record, which is released tomorrow. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Greta Ray. Good morning. How are we? Good morning. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, and where are you joining us from today? I am in Coburg, in Melbourne, in lockdown. And this is... <laughs> This is the sixth lockdown for yourselves, isn't it? Correct. Yes. Where are you? We are in Adelaide. Oh, okay. I mean, you have had lockdowns. I know, but you know, we've had uh, we've had one or two, and then we had the the snap one, the pizza one that went for like three days. So it was a bit of a joke lockdown, but I remember that. That was very odd. Um, but yes, I'm glad you're there and and not here. <laughs> yes, it's um. I do obviously feel for our Victorian counterparts and we are sending um, our love your way. Hopefully uh, come the time that this is released, we'll reveal behind the curtain a little bit, come the time this is released, you guys are out of lockdown. I hope so too. I mean, I think that the good thing about living in Victoria is I feel like, I mean, I'm really grateful for like our government and how like they keep us safe. Like it's frustrating when we get cases. It's frustrating that we've been through this like six times, but I feel like our government's like, you know, Dan Andrews and, you know, the chief health officer, like I think that their communication is really solid and I'm so grateful for that. And so I feel really safe and I feel like Victoria just knows how to do this now. So as much as it's like it totally sucks and shouldn't be happening, it's like it's a really good community to be a part of because I think everyone's super respectful and, yeah, we, we get it. We've done it before. This is not our first rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I imagine it's kind of almost like a, a reflex muscle that you guys have got it. It's one you don't necessarily want but you're good at. I think so. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like each lockdown has had a different emotion for me personally, like, I mean, obviously the first lockdown, like no one knew what was going on. And so that was like very strange, but you know, it was very, we're all in this together vibes. 
second lockdown, which was like our long four month one, I was like really productive. And I guess because I hadn't started the album campaign yet, as much as I was like having things get set back and having to rearrange how the campaign would roll out, I was like super creative and I definitely found a way to be comfortable. Um, third lockdown, I barely remember. Fourth was the worst for me mentally. Fourth, I hated because I was like in the campaign. I was in the thick of it by that point, And I was like, now this just feels unfair. Like it feels like this obstacle. And I just had like the worst relationship with social media ever at that point. I think I was just, you know, trying to release an album and do an album campaign pretty much like social media is an amazing tool. But when like all of the connection is pretty much happening there, it is difficult because you're constantly trying to think of like new ways to come up with content that feels true to you and unique and not just kind of like I'm making this for the machine of the content, you know, like I want it to still be genuine. I still want to create a connection with my audience, but I was really struggling. And then I the fifth, I, I was better because I feel like I'd accepted just how regularly this was going to happen. <laughs> And my motivation levels were pretty low. But now I think with the album right around the corner, like yesterday, I did the most incredible like clean out of the bathroom and I'm in my family household. And I was like, right, productivity lockdown, it's happening. I'm going to force (laughs) it to happen. I am not dropping the ball. I have so much to do. And even if I'm not like working on my project, I just need to be moving because I think as soon as you start moving, it's really easy to just be like, and like, that's totally fine too. But like in my position with an album release, like I don't want to carry that into the world with that lethargic energy. I really want to try and do my best. It's really hard. But anyway, that was a bit of a story for you about all of the lockdowns, the many lockdowns. (laughs) But I mean, it's definitely a very strange time to be an artist. But I mean, I think that it's been nice to also tell the story of Um, begin to look around like as I've been doing promo and like reminiscing on the times that I got to write it with people in person and travel for it you know like it's kind of making me relive it in a sense the last little bit because I will move on from lockdown in a second but um (laughs) I think one thing that you kind of touched on that maybe the general public don't know is that they see these albums coming out that they're in their mind they're like oh they recorded it during lockdown or it's only but for a lot of artists, as you said, like it's reworking the rollout campaign. It's, I think we've spoken to some artists where the album has moved like three or four times. And it's, I imagine that for you having to, um, having these songs and then moving them back and back and back and back can, it's a, like a whole different kind of anxiety. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's just a lot of like coming to terms with things, you know, like it's just a lot of, okay, I think I just need to accept but I'm not going to get to play these shows at that point. And that's okay because eventually we will. It's a lot of like self-talk. It's a lot of talking to the right people about it because it's like, if you want to call certain people to just be like, I just want to be really sad about this thing. Like, of course you can have those conversations. And of course, sometimes they're good and therapeutic. But I mean, the other day I was talking to a friend of mine and I was just kind of considering like, what if just hypothetically, because it's like not that long until the album comes out, what if I, I am in lockdown for the release day? What if that happens? How am I going to feel? And I initially, the thought of it made me panic so much. And I was like, I think I'll be so sad because I feel like I'm working really hard. And then my friend was like, well, you didn't make an album. So you could like have celebratory drinks with your mates on album release day. Like that's not why it's nice, but it's not why you made the record. You made the record 
to have a life. You made it for people to listen to and to hopefully fall in love with. And you will get a journey for the record, no matter what's going on, whether people are locked down or not. Because, I mean, it's nice to come together, of course, to celebrate the songs. It's amazing. But, like, even if you think about some of my favorite records, you know, they had great release days, but I don't think about the record in terms of their release date. I think about like how <laughs> I kind of went on a journey with that record, like my own personal association with it, like the Gang of Youths record, for example, Go Father and Lightness. Like when that was out and the journey that it went on for like years, that was amazing, you know, but I needed time with the record for it to like have a life to me. And that would have been the case for everyone else. So I think that, yeah, it's it's definitely... There's a lot that comes with this period of time in terms of overanalyzing and thinking about things, but I'm trying to focus on that because no matter when you release music, music is amazing in the sense that it makes people feel comforted. And I really hope that my record can do that for people, whether they be in or out of lockdown. That is, I think that's very well put. I think that, um, yeah, it, it is. You don't remember the release date of anything you remember, the, the the feelings, the emotions, the journey, as you said, that it takes you on. It's, um, it's exciting. As discussed, this is being recorded a few weeks before, but the record is out tomorrow when this episode comes out, which is very exciting. So, again, fingers crossed you're not in lockdown during that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the debut record from Greta Ray, which has been a long time in the making. Speaking of why we put out records or why you put out records, what made it the perfect time? The record, by the way, begin to look around for everyone who um, might have missed that at the start. Um, yeah, what was what made it the perfect time for, for it finally to, to come out? Mm, I think, I mean, it, it does oddly, despite, you know, things getting pushed back um, because of the pandemic, it does feel like it's coming out at an appropriate time because... I wrote this record in 2019, like the majority of it was written over the course of that year, which was very jam-packed with a lot of things. Like it was in general, but particularly in hindsight, you know, considering how much we've lost <laughs> essentially. I was moving around a lot. I was in America or I was in London. I was recording the album in Sydney, like, and I was meeting a lot of new collaborators and, you know, just being super creative and also going through this, like, quite, you know, tricky emotional time as well, like, for some of the time that I was writing the record. Um, so I think that having it be released now and having, like, being able to look back on that period of time, like, and having kind of moved through a lot of stuff means that I can approach putting it out into the world in like not necessarily a ta- like a detached but like a reflective way I suppose like I've really had my time with the songs and you know I'm looking forward to having that time when I can sing it live to people when people are like in a room and I love the songs so much but in terms of how they've kind of been there for me I talk a lot about songs being there for me and they they do feel like that when you write them you're like that's I wanted to capture that feeling and now I have it to lean on because it's like a thing that has been made but I'm now looking forward to, I'm just, I can't wait to see people experience that feeling themselves with the record. And I think because I know that it's like, okay, well, I can't wait to share this with you. My personal chapter may have closed with it because of when I wrote it, but it's going to have this whole new thing of life because now people get experiences with those songs for the first time. So um, I think that's what makes it like well-timed in that sense. Um, And also just because I feel like I, know myself as an artist a lot better 
than I did when maybe people would have expected me to put out a debut album. I mean, my last EP here and now was supposed to be an album. I mean, it's a pretty long EP it's seven tracks, but like I didn't have the songs. I wasn't a very seasoned songwriter, even though it was kind of all I did, but because I wrote by myself, I was really obsessive and particular about how I wanted the songs to sound in a way that meant it was restrictive of how regularly I wrote songs. So when writing this record, I got to throw myself into practicing songwriting again, because I had so many co-writing sessions which means that, yeah, emotionally it's well-timed. And I think also just for like my artist self, I think it's well-timed because I'm, I think I found my feet a little more as an artist than I had back then. I can understand that. It's very interesting that you say um, that only because even the the songs that you previously released, the EPs, um, mm-hmm. most of uh, Australia would know you or your introduction as Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, even back then, your songwriting and you as a, a singer and a, and a songwriter, there was a confidence in that that kind of um, I don't think many new artists, especially many young artists, would have. So it's a very interesting thing to hear you say that you think you found your feet more only because it seemed back then that you had already found your feet quite a lot more than any other person around that age or mm-hmm. demographic. Thank you. That's so kind. Yeah, I mean, I think that, there was a certainty in the sense that this is all I've ever wanted to do. So I think in terms of like arriving at that point in my career did feel, it was definitely overwhelming at times, but I think it felt natural because it was like, well, of course, like I really want to perform. Like I really want this to be my job and oh my gosh, how lucky am I that it it finally gets to be my job now. But I think that was the part of it that felt natural. I was very used to performing. I grew up in a community choir and in vocal groups at school. Like I was used to being on a stage um, and I'd been writing songs for so long. And I'd been, you know, I grew up with a lot of local Melbourne musicians in my life as well. So I was, I had looked at it from like, you know, on the outside looking in for a while, which meant that by the time that it happened, I think that, yeah, because of my upbringing and my experience, I was fortunate enough to kind of know how the path would look a little bit maybe um but I mean it's very nice to hear you say that in terms of the confidence because like I was really excited but I was really nervous all the time (laughs) like just in terms of how things were being perceived performing to bigger crowds performing without a guitar like trying to emulate the confidence that that song had in my live performances as well like and really wanting that to reach people. I think embodying the energy of the song that people liked so much was definitely like quite a, it felt like quite a big thing for me to be doing while I was still trying to like finish exams. I was like, I don't know if I can do that. But I think (laughs) the following year, once I was like out of high school, the the opportunity was there. And um, yeah, it was a fun time. It was a good time in my life. (laughs) There's definitely a lot of um, confidence in, in this new record. It is a beautiful record, it's a bit of a uh, the, the, the new singles that have come from it have definitely um, displayed that there is a slight, I'd say, like sonic shift um, in some of the songs into like a more pop friendly or not necessarily pop, but like, yeah, like a, a more venturing outside of just the singer songwriter sound that some people might know you for. Mm. When you were sitting down to write these songs, was that kind of an organic thing or was it a, a decision that you'd made being like, let's try and push these boundaries. 
Um, it was a little bit of both. Um, it was a little bit of both in the sense that I think that even with a song like Drive, my kind of like gateway into the pop world was probably a little bit open then, but it's a bigger world. I feel it's a more challenging because I, my personal opinion is that like pop songs are quite difficult to write. Like there's this odd idea I think that people have of pop music maybe being a little more like cheap or shallow or something. I don't know why people think that maybe because it's like, it's catchy or repetitive or something. I don't know. But like as a writer behind it, it's very challenging. It's much more challenging than like there's, there's rules. There's a formula that you have to follow and following it in a way that's like kind of expected, but then also sprinkling like your own authenticity in there. Like it's a really difficult balance, but I really wanted to like embark on that challenge. Like I really wanted to try and nail it. So that was a decision that I made my artist project before kind of diving into writing the record and just because I love pop music so much. Um, but I think that also in terms of the kinds of songs that ended up coming out of those sessions, like there was definitely a sense of it being quite natural as well. Um, because of the fact that, you know, in songs like drive, um, I was touching on those kind of pop things like, you know, the repetition in the chorus and, I just, I learned, I've always had like a lot of ideas that I felt could fall into the pop category, but I really just needed help in organizing them. And I think that's what my collaborators helped me do in those sessions. It seems like pop music gets a bit of a bad rap. I think that there's like anything, like it could be any genre of music or even, uh, this is a horrible analogy, so I apologize um, at the start of it, but even like food, like if you, have I think when people go oh pop music and they're not looking at it as a whole they just look at the the really cheap stuff and the as you kind of said the overly repetitive um not to to disparage anyone but like even like DJ Khaled kind of stuff like that can be seen as a more cheap version of pop music whereas like yourself I know that we've got this here for you Maggie Rogers like there's good quality let's say caviar level pop. And that's, <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that analogy. That's awesome. I loved the rollout of the record because these songs kind of came um, as as a pair. You released them in duologies, which had these two songs released, like a double A side, yeah. but they, there was like a connecting theme. What was the decision behind um, having a rollout like this? Yeah. Um, thanks. I'm glad you liked the rollout. Um yeah, I think with the decision for releasing them in how I refer to them as duologies was that there was a combination of reasons as to why we decided to do that. I was so set on making an album, but I think with still essentially trying to get my artist project up off the ground and wanting it to kind of reach in the way that I hope it will, I think that I knew, I think my whole team knew as well that if we were to release what was going to be a long record, which it is, in a kind of conventional, here's the first single, couple months, here's the second single, and then, like, here's the full, like, bulk of information of the album with, like, maybe one more lead single. I just felt like it was not really going to allow me a lot of opportunity to tell the stories behind the songs in the way that I wanted to. Um, And I think that because this record consists of so many different themes and different emotions and stories... 
I was like, how can I find a way to bring people into that world in a more gradual sense? Also with the like slight genre shift, you know, people create an idea about your artist project. And if you kind of make changes, especially when they haven't really seen work from you in a while, you know, I want people to feel like they are on a journey with me rather than me being like, this is who I am now, you know, because I don't think that's inviting. I don't think that's welcoming. And, you know, I wanted, I needed to like time to make that adjustment. And I feel like my audience did as well. And so I think it took, you know, drip feeding the album in a sense. It's like, Oh, this one's a little bit more pop. Oh, but this duology three, like it still goes way into like storytelling in the way that, you know, she did with radio silence and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I think it gave me more of a chance to like actually show people what I was doing in a way that was just like, see, before they get the full album. But also it meant that I could talk about the fact that, because this record for me, I really want it to come across as like a celebration of the fact that you can like change your mind about things, like what genre you want to be, what kind of person you want to be, where you want to live, who you want to be with, like all of those things that I feel like, especially with my age group or like a little bit younger, there's this pressure when you get out of high school to just know it's like, all right, I'm going to do this degree and then I'm going to do this master's and then I'm going to have this job. Or I am going to, in my case, it was like, okay, now I'm going to like make this kind of a record. Like, I think if I'd gone down a different path, it would have been like, I'm going to sign with the first person that's interested. I'm going to do it all now. And they probably would have asked me to write drive another 10 times, but I knew that I didn't want to do that. And so that idea of like, you know, it's okay to change your mind about things. It's okay to take the path that maybe wasn't expected and both things are fine. And with the duologies, it's like, I felt this way about this feeling then a week later, I felt this way about it. They're both, that's cool, both times, you know? And that just being, I really want this record to be like a massive stamp of validation for that particular age group. I think for everyone who's in a spot in their life where maybe they're like a little bit wobbly and trying to find their feet, it's like as terrifying as that can be, it's also super exciting. You learn so much. Like I gained so much from what I felt to be a very formative time in my life because of how frantic things seemed because I couldn't make up my mind about certain things for a while. Because then when I did land, I knew so much more about myself. Um, and so I feel like, yeah, I, I think the duologies kind of reflect that um, as in the same way that the album does. It's a beautiful message to be passing on to, well, not even just your generation and below, but I know that there's a lot of... Um, I know that there's a lot of people I spoke to who might be older than yourself, <laughs> more in like my age bracket and above who are very excited about the record as well. I know it might be like picking children. Do you have a favourite duology at this point or at least today? It might change tomorrow in theme of what we're just discussing. But um, I think I like them all in like a slightly different way. I, I do have to say it's been I – do, I don't know if I expected this, but like I, I do really like – duology three which is cherish in the brink um because it's been really nice in terms of how people have responded to it emotionally i think i mean i loved all of the creative content that we did for like duology one like that was so much fun i loved the music video i love how like you know it was able to celebrate my love for creativity that was awesome but i think with cherish in the brink it's really reminded me of just how universal and connective music can be um, even though songs feel so personal to me now, but they they so belong with other people now at this point. So I think that that has been really affirming for me as an artist because that's what I love most about music. Um, yeah. Do you have a favorite? 
of the duologies or the songs? The duologies. Oh, um, oh, mine is a tie between I'm I am a sucker for passion. I think that song really, really got to me um, in a good way. Yes. <laughs> um, but Cherish lately has become like a little bit of like a, a late front runner. So it's kind of, it depends on the day, the mood, but those two are, um, yeah, I think they were, they were fantastic. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> one of my, um, one of my favorite songs from the record, it might be my favorite song from the record. And I wanted to touch on, I guess, the experience as a music fan before going into it. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, do you ever pick up a record and before listening to it, doesn't matter what artist it is, do you ever read the song titles and think that, come across one and go, I know that I'm going to like that song purely based on the title? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think that I'm trying to think of when I last did that. Um, I mean, I think that we could probably all say that the titles of the tracks on Folklore and Evermore were definitely like super intriguing. And I was like, I don't even know what some of these words mean, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> so I think that, yeah, I, I, I remember getting a little bit of a sense of that with those records. But I mean, I think with those records, like you could never anticipate, you could not expect, like, you know, you see a song called Mirror Ball and you're like, cool title. And then you listen to it and you're like, excuse me? Like, I, it was just, it's so much more than the title. It's like mirable and then all of my feelings forever. But like, yeah, I think that it's really exciting. I think I love like being able to look at track lists before a record comes out and just kind of getting a sense of like what the emotional curve of the record might be yeah. um, in terms of like what those titles imply. It For me, for this record, it was going through the, the track names and obviously we've heard some on the radio. So it was a little bit more, I guess this, the second half of trying to work out what it was. The second that I read, it's almost Christmas in Philly. I knew that that song was going to be like, a, like a, a bit of a heart pang. And then listening to it, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Firstly, how do you approach naming your songs when it does come to that pro- at that time? Ooh, you know, it's amazing. I don't know if I've ever gotten that question before, which is really cool that I get to have it now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that 
some it just feels pretty inevitable. Like with a song like Human, it's like that's what it is because we were all leading up to the hook that meant the thing. But I feel like some pop songs, yes, like the hook will have the thing that the whole song is about. I don't think every time though. So I think when it felt as though that's how it was defined, um, that lyric that was in the hook. But I think with with a song like Almost Christmas in Philly, I think I, I wanted, it painted this picture that I really wanted the song to paint sonically and lyrically when people listened to it. Um, and so I, and I also think that I wanted there to be a moment on the record, you know, I do love like kind of like a short one word title for songs. Like that's something that I've done in the past. And I think I wanted to have a bit of a like, you know, what's that last track on the Lana Del Rey record? Like the hope is a dangerous thing for a girl like me to have, but I have it. It's not that, but it's something really similar. (laughs) And just reading that and being like, that is such a long title. Okay. And I think I wanted to have a little bit of a moment like that, that would intrigue people and probably also reflect more. So my singer songwriter roots more than anything else. Um, And also just because with that song, it was really important that people felt the feeling of the setting because I think it was quite obvious like what it was about in terms of that feeling of, you know, leaning on a friend. But I want people to feel that feeling while being in the like, you know, romantic winter, sparkly Christmas, snuggly Philadelphia. Like I just wanted it to sit in that warm environment when people listened to it. Well, it definitely um, did that job. It was definitely a, an album highlight for myself and I'm sure for others as well, but it is a gorgeous, gorgeous song. Thank you. Another one of the songs off the album I wanted to touch on was Worldly Wise, which features Dave and the other lads from Gang of Youths. I think very quickly to, to go back, you recently did like a version for Triple J mm-hmm. and um, and you covered their song, The Deeper Shies, The Frankest Shadows, which at the time like reading the, you know, when it pops up on your phone or on whichever, wherever you're watching or listening to like a version, when it said Greta Ray covers this song, it was a thing that kind of just went, oh, of course, that makes sense. Both very mm-hmm. articulate artists, very well-spoken, very um, talking before about what we were discussing, like confidence in, in songwriting and in person. Mm-hmm. This is a duet between you and Dave and I believe it was written on the road with them. It was kind of more so ended up lyrically reflecting a lot of things that I learned about myself and the world when I was on the road with them. Yeah. I um, had written it in a time where things felt pretty frantic because of how much co-writing I was doing in other parts of the world. And I wanted to write a song that was like a kind of pick me up. Like it's a little bit daunting. It's a little bit scary. We don't know what session we have tomorrow. <laughs> Woo! Like, and, and that was kind of what it meant to me at the time, but it became so much more when I fully let go of like a certain relationship in my life. And I was really like committed to discovering my independence and just my solitude. And also just, you know, I think when I hear that song now, it definitely sounds like those tours with Gang of Youths, but also um, there's a little um, voice memo incorporated into the intro and the end of my girlfriend's on a beach in Italy talking to a local in Italian. 
Um, and my girlfriends and I, when I finished writing the record, we went to Europe, which I'm so glad we got to do now. Um, and I kind of felt like it was, you know, I'd really landed somewhere because I was with my girlfriends. I was having the best time. I may have been like, you know, in a stage of grief, but I was just fully like, yep, but that's, we have to move forward. We have to move past that look at the world around you. And so that's kind of what the message of worldly wise means to me personally now. And having Dave sing on the song felt so appropriate because when times were a little bit rough and I happened to be on the road with gang of youths, when I was in that emotional spot, it was always Dave who was like, you know, sitting with me in green rooms as I like cried about a boy and giving me wonderful advice about like, yeah, man, but like, look at life, you know, like we're going to go sing. You've got this project or writing this album. You love it so much. Like he's always had this very um, big brotherly role in my life. And so to have him singing lyrics that I wrote that are like, you know, lift your eyes and get ready to roll and stuff like that definitely is just very fitting for the song, I think. And just like kind of reminds me of, the weird, I've been saying this a lot to people, the kind of very like back and forth moments when being on the road with them where like one minute I would be like crying in a green room and then next minute I was in the crowd being like, say yes to life. Like it was very like up and down emotionally (laughs) that you can't have a more like therapeutic experience from, you know, being on the road with Gang of Views and listening to those incredible songs and letting yourself be like inspired by the world around you. And yeah, so that's the story of Worldly Lies. I can imagine that if there's anyone that you want to kind of, um, other than your immediate friends and family, if there's anyone that you kind of want to have a shoulder to cry on, Dave from Gang of Views is probably one of the best people in terms of his, um, as you said, his optimism. Definitely. And I think just like very, he's a very validating friend. Um, And, you know, I think whenever I feel a little bit weird about, anything, whether it be like my personal life or the industry or anything, he will be totally straight with me in a way that makes me feel very confident and and supportive. And it, it really honestly means the world to have those boys support because, you know, I admire them so much, like objectively as a band, I love their music to death, but like they're really lovely, kind, yeah, beautiful people. And so to have them in my life and, you know, the fact that they've played a role on this record is just, yeah. I'm very lucky. <laughs> I can imagine that you're um, somewhat excited to get back out on the road and end back to touring. Oh, yes, please. I know that there's, I think, uh, what is it called? I've put my notes down here somewhere. I know that there's a, a few dates coming up for you, only a small few dates which have, um, what, is it the Fingers Crossed tour? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which is very aptly named in 2021 just because of how everything's going. How are you feeling? Let's say w- there's no cases of COVID, the shows are going ahead. How are you feeling about making that return to the stage? I mean, I think in general, how I feel about when I can eventually return to the stage, whether that be a smaller show or a larger show or however it ends up being, I'm equally excited either way because I just want to sing, you know, I think that it's very, um, the three little live moments that I have had since March, 2020, which have been one gig of my own and then two little jumping up to sing with friends who were doing their own gigs. Um, 
it's always been just the feeling. It's, it's really difficult to describe, actually. I think it's just felt, it's made me feel really relieved. Like it's felt like an exhale. It's felt really safe and yeah, I don't know, like a secure spot to be in. And I, I think I'm just looking forward to feeling that again. I think that just comes from like, oh, wait, I'm genuinely getting to like connect with people in person in a room. I just want that so badly. <laughs> and like whenever it's safe to do so, I think it'll be really fun with the new songs. I, you know, there are a lot of moments that, you know, maybe if the pandemic wasn't a thing, like maybe we would have all sung Bigger Than Me together for the first time by now, but we haven't yet. So it gives me something to look forward to. So yeah, I think when those moments happen, it'll be really, really fun. And I'm constantly in touch with, you know, my audience and um, like over Instagram and stuff. And they're very kind and very patient. And they're just like, look, whenever you take to the stage, we're going to be there. And that means well to me. So yeah, it's going to be a good time. It, um, as I mentioned before, there are a lot of people that I'm aware of that are very excited to be able to experience these songs live and with you. Have you found that, I guess, um, what we were talking about before, like engaging with people over social media and everything else, it is a difficult kind of time to be able to, yeah, have interactions with fans when it's literally all online, all digital, nothing. Have you found that the fans themselves from there and have been more engaging, that you've seen more of an uptake in fans um, with still being able to roll it out and not play shows? Mm. Yeah, it's been really interesting, actually. I mean, of course, sometimes it is frustrating because I just want to see them. Like the one gig that I played that was mine, this girl that I've been talking to for years on Instagram like came up to, it was finally like, we were finally getting to meet, she come to the show. And like the hug that she gave me was like genuinely one of the best hugs I've ever received in my life. And like, that's <laughs> something that I really miss about those interactions, of course, in person. But I think something that probably brought, I feel like brought me and my audience closer together was that, especially towards the end of last year, I started doing like album reviews on my Instagram like I would talk about other people's records um, and share my thoughts and then put it in my Instagram stories, make it an IGTV video for them to watch back if they wanted. And, you know, music is something, as I said, that just like brings people together and that's so amazing. And so I would get a lot of messages being like, oh my gosh, I totally thought that about that song. And I was trying to tell my friend <laughs> and like, but, and you know, and then we're just like all friends and it's great, you know, and we're all just talking about the fact that we all love this record. So in that sense, I think finding different ways to, connect with people um, and establish that relationship has, you know, made for some really positive things. And on the day that, you know, like a version happened because of the fact that we were in lockdown, I could respond to everyone because I didn't, I didn't have to go anywhere or like do anything afterwards. So it was like, <laughs> yeah, I could just, I could just go back inside and yeah, be on my phone and respond to people and say, thank you. So I think that you have to just acknowledge the silver linings where they are with this stuff, where, so lucky to have technology at all during this time. Um, and I also really love how creative other artists have gotten with it. You know, um, like the fact that how crazy is it to think that Dua Lipa has become what she is through a global pandemic. Like if you think about that album campaign, that came out at the very beginning of everything and all of the things that she's gotten to do since. There have been very few live performances with an audience, if you think about it. You know, it's it's been very limited in in terms of what 
she's been able to do. And I think that that's amazing and really inspiring and shows that, you know, there are ways to work around it. Obviously, she's in a very advanced position in the industry, but still, you know, it's, it's really cool to see. I think even just touching on the doer thing that it is like it's especially being a, like a disco tinged album where you'd think that is the kind of record that is most enjoyed when you're outside and not stuck inside and mm-hmm. but it um yeah it seems to kind of speak to if you know the right not steps but like there are there are different ways to get around things these days and technology's definitely um definitely helped that touching on your album reviews i did particularly enjoy the laura marley one that one was great thank you laura marley <laughs> is just means so much to me i really i listen to her music every time i feel a little bit like alone like in everything because she's her songs are like a wise older sister speaking to you i feel <laughs> that record yeah it's very important <laughs> um Lastly, Greta, we would usually speak to our guests about what they are currently listening to. Is there anything at this moment that you are um, very much enjoying? Yes, so much. Um, I, in these, you know, lockdown times, um, in all my frantic lockdown cleaning that I've been doing, <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been listening a lot to the new Claro record. Like, I really love that record as a whole. In fact, I've listened to it just, you know, from start to finish kind of when I'm doing other things that I can't even really think of any of the specific tracks off the top of my head. I feel like as a body of work, it just flows so beautifully. So I love that record and I hadn't really gotten into her other stuff before. So this is kind of like my introduction to her project. Um, and I really love Psycho's first EP. Yeah. What? Great. Oh my God. She's so talented. <laughs> it's mad. Um, I love that. And I've been just losing my mind over all of her like melodic decisions in particular. So I love that EP and my dear friend Maya has just put out her debut EP as well. Don't kiss your friends. And so she works with, um, Robbie Dessar who produced my album. So this has been like a long time coming and I feel like I've gotten a little bit of an insight into how much work they've put into that record and the song that I love from it the most which I actually was lucky enough to get to see live in March when things were like relatively open um, this year, March this year. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Hong Kong Central Station. And I remember just having this like out-of-body experience when I was listening to it. I was looking around at everyone dancing and I was like, hang on, is anyone clocking what we're hearing right now? This song is like a global <laughs> hit. Why have I not heard this before? And now it's on rotation on Triple J as of today, which I'm like really happy about. So they are my picks for the time. Yes. They're all very solid picks, especially the last two. Uh, it seems that, um, yeah, the women in the Australian music industry at the moment are just absolutely killing it. So, oh, so good. Yeah. I, with Psycho and Maya, like they have this real kind of global stardom energy. And I, th- I really admire and respect that they are doing their campaigns for their EP in a time where it's like so difficult to release music and to like introduce yourself as an artist essentially. And the fact that like Psycho's been on like a billboard in Times Square, like it's, yeah, I think that. Was she in Vogue last week? Yeah. Oh, like so unreal. Mad respect for the hard work and the incredible songs. But I think also I equally want to just acknowledge that those artists should have played like the 1 PM set at Splendor in the Grass in person, you know, like they should have been doing their own headline tours for many weeks. They should 
you know, we should be seeing them on tour posters on our Instagram feed and being like, yes, killing it. Another one. Those things have been lost for those artists. And I don't like knowing that it makes me upset. Like I, I want so much for those projects and I just can, I'm really appreciative to see how hard they've worked despite the limitations. And I can't wait for when it's safe for them to just like, yeah, just explode basically <laughs> in the way that they should have. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, we've spoken to a few smaller artists who have come out or have been introduced during the pandemic and have seen like an uprise. We spoke to um, Baby Queen from the UK, who I think has been on a track with Maya, so just doing a full circle around now. Oh, yeah. But, um, mm-hmm. Yes, that's um, a really great picture, yeah. Yeah, she kind of came out and released stuff and started doing it during the pandemic and then wasn't able to play any live shows and then recently played a live show in the UK to this huge audience because they were able to build and kind of create community during that time. Mm. So it's hopefully a similar thing that we will see for Myron and for, for Psycho that during this time, instead of them playing to like, you know, those smaller rooms before the EP that they've just kind of almost skipped a step and will be, as you said, playing the one to 2 PM slots at Splendor and Falls and everything else. So so unreal. I so, so cannot wait to see that in action. I'll probably cry. <laughs> I will cry. I love them so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure that they'll be there playing those sets before yourself who will be playing at a much later stage at like the headliner oh. <laughs> um, at some of those festivals. Oh, my gosh. That would be a dream. I'm really looking forward to jumping around on stage again with these new songs. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait. I can't wait to see people. And, you know, I think that seeing how I know that it's complex with, you know, everyone being kind of vaccinated in other parts of the world and us not being, but them still having the virus, but being vaccinated and there's a lot of complication around it. But I think at the end of the day, like I have to, when I see photos like Dermot Kennedy just played Red Rocks and I saw his post of the crowd and to be honest, it just gave me so much hope. It just made me so happy. And I think that, you know, this is going to be like a gradual process like globally and then particularly us because of the shitty vaccine rollout but like in terms of getting back (laughs) into live shows but it is going to happen like those experiences will happen again and I think yeah just gotta stay really supportive of one another um and as in touch and you know as grateful to our audience as we can be like with the limitations and yeah and just be patient I 100% agree with you I think that it is um our government has dropped the ball slightly, but it is coming and you can kind of feel it. There's little bits and pieces of live gigs coming back, so it is very exciting. Greta, um, congratulations again on the record. Begin to Look Around is out tomorrow. We'll make sure that there are links in all the podcast uh, show notes and everything, but thank you again for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Greta Ray for her time. Begin to Look Around is out now, and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy or stream the record. We also want to give a huge shout-out to Miriam at EMI Music for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes, where you'll be able to listen to all of our guests' picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday and Friday morning with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify 
you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.